0: This is the Cater Daily Podcast for Friday, May 5th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Sensitivity readers, perhaps not content with softening language in new books against the potential for readers to take offense, have now turned their attention to old books. From Ian Fleming to Roald Dahl and now P.G. Woodhouse, publishing houses are working to soften coarse and sometimes quite offensive words from often quite old books. National Review columnist Christian Schneider, well, he doesn't care for it. We spoke last month. They came for Agatha Christie, Roald Dahl, Ian Fleming, and now P.G. Woodhouse, or as I like to call him now, NC-17 Woodhouse. (laughs) That that deserved a bigger laugh, but I'm going (laughs) to let you get by on that. But... (laughs) What is the, what's the through line for all of these authors? Is there anything other than they're Brits?
1: In terms of uh, content, there really isn't a whole, a whole lot of through line. And uh, that is what makes the editing of P.G. Woodhouse so objectionable because he is so different than the others in that he's the lightest prose imaginable. Um, I think he did. He wrote 90 books. There may be going after two or three of them that maybe had, you know, well, they, they did have words that that we don't use now. But, you know, he's, for those who don't know who P.G. Woodhouse is, he's uh, probably the greatest uh, humorist of the of the 20th century. You have guys like Christopher Hitchens who have said he's the gold standard of of British wit. And um you know, his his stories are, are just so light and they have, uh, you know, just beautiful prose. If there's any if there's any writer that took care in the u- the words that he was using and what he was saying, it was it was P.G. Woodhouse. And now uh, the the uh, sensitivity readers, the woke scolds are now uh, going after him retroactively because apparently there aren't enough new books coming out that they can edit. They need to reach back into his grave and uh, disturb him. So you know, Ian Fleming, Agatha
0: Christie, um, in particular, these are books about murders. These are books about international terrorist organizations, and the, you know, the main character in every Ian Fleming novel is a notorious alcoholic womanizer. <laughs> and I, I just thought, well, We'll just just get rid of the books if that if 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 the main character is this offensive person how do you clean up that language to make it acceptable we we need to get people caught up here because what what is
1: exactly occurring with these these classic works right penguin random house is who owns the rights to uh, pg woodhouse's works are coming out with a 2023 version in which some of the words that he used are clearly not used today. Um, one very specific one. And so they're going back and Bodlerizing uh, his works. They're changing language to make sure it's not offensive. Um, and you know, in some, in some cases changing what, what, uh, the books actually mean. Um, and we've seen this with Roll Dahl, uh, with just, which just happened a, a few months ago where people are outraged, you know, like, in charlie and the chocolate factory augustus gloop is no longer referred to as enormously fat he's just uh referred to as as fat or as (laughs) as enormous um and it does it does change change the meaning completely and yes he could be very tall he could be yes he could be a very very large man so yeah to your point where (laughs) james bond is probably just going to be canceled uh from front to back just because of who James Bond is. This this reminds me of uh when I went to HBO Max to watch the West Side Story movie, the Steven Spielberg one. A movie which includes two sexual assaults in the movie, yet the warning at the beginning of the movie is that there's smoking in the movie. <laughs> I mean, we're kind of missing the forest for the trees here in in, in some respects, but yeah,
0: yeah. years ago I watched Annie Hall and the most shocking thing about Annie Hall is that there's a physician in the movie smoking a cigarette, <laughs> and, it, and it was just like, oh, it kind of took me aback a little bit. But also, you've got to understand, the movie was made in the mid 1970s, and right. uh, you know, this is a point that you make in your National Review column that is, you know, humans have the capacity to understand different social mores that existed. A hundred years ago,
1: right? Exactly. I mean, these words were used in 1934. I went and I did a I did a check on newspaper articles that uh, that used the word, and there were over 13,000 occurrences in in 1934. So it was still fairly common. Although, in fairness, uh, there were people critical of the use of the word at the time, so it wasn't completely uncontroversial. Um, and then throughout the years, of course, it's it completely disappeared from from the media. In the,
0: uh, in the modern age, we have access to books on Kindle, right? and we can buy those books on Kindle. To what extent are books that w- we may have already purchased uh, going to be edited for us uh, after the fact?
1: Uh, this is absolutely a possibility. I actually wrote uh, for The Dispatch, I wrote a long piece about this, about how history is now negotiable. When everything is digital and everything can go back and and be changed, uh, and we start to change, you know, words that are no longer uh, in favor or concepts that are no longer in favor, that's where we're going to be. So unless you have something written down in an actual book, a printed book, when everything is digital, uh, it's all up for grabs. We could we could uh, lose a sense of what the people before us were were into. So
0: I I understand that that. A small fraction of readers. I don't think many children are going to be super interested in anything beyond role doll. Uh, yeah. I don't think they're going to be reading Ag- Agatha Christie or Ian Fleming. Uh, perhaps they'll read P.G. Woodhouse. But to the extent that, um, there you know, there's a small fraction of readers that may see this with, you know, fresh eyes, with with no understanding of what. Uh, the time and place in which these works were created, and however offensive they might be to our modern, and we hope, superior sensibility about uh, cert- how we treat groups of people, how we think about individuals, the kinds of uh, jokes that we find acceptable in, um, in company. Um, is there a middle ground? Is there a middle ground that you see to say, hey, look, we need to we need to recognize that these things are not uh, don't have currency today. Right. Uh, that are uh, objectionable. Is is there a middle ground there for you?
1: Well, two of the things that Penguin Random House are, are, is doing is they are changing the language, which I object to, um, but then they're also providing kind of what I guess is. Colloquially known as a uh, trigger warning at the beginning of the book that says, look, this book came out in the 30s. There's language that, uh, uh, that we don't use anymore that's offensive to people. And uh, I don't mind that at all. Uh, if they want to go ahead and, and put context, I mean, the books deserve context. If they want to provide that context, that is fine. Um, but then they go the other the next step in in that trigger warning and say, and this is why we've changed the language, which uh, I don't think is acceptable.
0: Right. It, it A book was written at I think you said something. To the effect of a book was written at a time it cris- it was crystallized at that moment. Right. Uh, it the author's intent was uh was clear and of course we can judge their uh, attitudes that that went into writing that book or whether or not they meant to be offensive um but the book is what it is it exists
1: yeah it's encased in amber uh forever and we have to judge these people based on kind of what the what the mores were at the time and um I think you can acquit Woodhouse of of racism in the fact that, you know, he, he wrote 90 books and they're finding a small part of of just a couple books. And even in the books, the people that use these words are idiots like this is the whole the whole purpose of, of a Woodhouse book is to lampoon these people who used language that, you know, was even out of style at the time. Um, who were kind of dolts, who were, you know, the, the, he, he, he ridiculed the, the upper classes mostly by the fact that, you know, his, his, the hero of many of his books, uh, Bertie Wooster, is, you know, this kind of socialite, thick headed dunce who gets himself into these uh, predicaments, which then his butler, uh, Jeeves, who's, you know, the smartest one in all the books, he, you know, he's brilliant. Uh, he gets him out of these out of these jams that he gets himself into so they're also tightly scripted and at some point you know this 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 just begins where people are you know this is just the tip of the I- iceberg because more people are going to come back and be be more offended by more things in the future and for these you know sensitivity readers they have to understand that when you start banning books as they're starting to do on the right more and more or editing books as they do on the left, that goes both ways. So you're going to see some books uh, fall out of favor in, you know, some Southern uh, school districts and, you know, the people on the left aren't going to like, like what's happening. So um, again, it goes both ways and and people have to understand that.
0: I was going to ask, what do you suspect will serve as a prelude for? That is what's the, it's not, they're not trying to ban these books. They're just trying to soften them, Christian. Right.
1: Right. Uh, There is one. The the book that the Woodhouse book that they're going most after includes uh, a portion where uh, Bertie Wooster meets up with a a singing minstrel group. And they are described using the word that, you know, that we don't use anymore. Uh, I think seven times I, I counted in the book. And uh, in order to escape from a boat, he has to dress up or put uh, shoe polish on his face to pretend to be one in order to escape this boat. So that's the predicament that he was in that that uh, Jeeves got him out of. You know, right now, they they deleted the, the use of the word, the offending word. But who's to say in a couple of years, people are like, wait a minute, he puts shoe polish on his face. Like that's blackface and that's no longer acceptable. So at some point the whole book could end up, could end up going if we go down this path and yeah, I mean, they're always going to be people who want to, uh, you know, ex- better themselves by showing how offended they are by things um, winning the, you know, the woke sweepstakes. And I feel like, uh, you know, this is just the beginning.
0: Is there uh, as as, a similar sense in the U.S., because of course, Mark Twain made extensive use of, of really harsh language. Uh, and, and like Mel Brooks, like uh, P.G. Woodhouse, the people who are the coarsest and, and least kind uh, in the stories are the people who make the most profligate use of these awful terms.
1: Right. That's absolutely true. I mean, the people came after, um, you know, Huckleberry Finn because it, because it includes that word when you have to be an idiot not to read (laughs) Twain's book and realize that it's an anti-racism book. I mean, you have to, you have to show these people who use these words and who do these things. And, you know, that's how you make your point against it. So, um, Yeah, I mean, there have been other, you know, and even more recent books, uh, Dr. Seuss, I believe, has come under the knife, although that's largely, you know, part of his own uh, family, I guess, or his own um, state, you know, foundation or whatever. Yeah, um, is doing that to his own books. But I think it's unfortunate. Um, And I think In the end, what these people are going to be doing is they're going to be selling a whole lot more P.G. Woodhouse and Dr. Seuss books that already exist, Um, because if you know kids, they're going to go after the thing that is the adults tell them that that they can't do. And so I think if this ends up with a lot more people being P.G. Woodhouse fans or reading his books, that's I mean, that'll be a a net positive. But, um, you know, these these censors need to understand that this is what they're doing.
0: How 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 much do you, based on your reading, how much of this is uh, uh, a cultural thing that exists more in, you know, Europe than in the United States? Because I I haven't heard as much about American authors, uh, you know, long dead American authors uh, facing the same type of
1: of scrutiny. Yeah, that's uh, that's possible. Um, But it's going to happen. I mean, uh, I mean, P.G. Woodhouse, originally born in England, but most of most of his life he he lived in America and wrote quite a quite a bit about it. So I think a lot of people, even though the books he wrote were quintessentially English, uh, he he almost can be seen as an American author. But, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, what these sensitivity readers typically have done is they will review books that are just about to come out and then give them the thumbs up or thumbs down. So books that are being written right now going forward. um, And there have been a number of books that have just been canceled because the sensitivity readers don't give it the thumbs up. Um, What they're doing now is starting to, I guess there aren't enough books being written today. So they, they need to reach back and, uh, and start to edit the old ones and try to change history. And who are these people to decide what, what the right history to teach is? I mean, as I, as I point out in the, in the piece, PG Woodhouse spent, you know, three quarters of a century writing the greatest prose that ever, that's ever existed. And, you know, what are the, these people that are, that are making the changes that are doing the editing, like what's their background Their uh, You know, their resume is just that, They're offended by a word. So I don't know what what qualifications these people have to be making these decisions.
0: Christian Schneider publishes the Anti-Knowledge Newsletter and is a contributor at National Review. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.